You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. I would like to take the Word of God. Please turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. This week, I had the exciting and lovely privilege of being on jury duty. (sighs) That was so long. That was such a long process. And I have never thanked God more for the padded pews that we sit in today than I did before, because that was exactly where we sat, was in the hard wood pews that were in, just like the church on Sycamore. And, um, and it took, I, I was there for 13 hours in total, in two days, I was there for 13 hours, and all they did was choose the 12 that they wanted to use. I wasn't even in the 12 on the panel. Oh, man. So that was just an extremely long process, and I got used to the thing of we all sit in the pew, and then the lawyer would speak, if you agree with this, raise your right hand. If you disagree with this, raise your right hand. And so in my introduction today, we're going to take part in doing that. And I liked active people in church. I know you're awake. I know you're listening. So if I, I'm going to say some questions, some statements, and then I'll ask you to raise your right hand if this is true for you. First of all, let's be real. Let's be honest. And Let's, I don't know what else to say. Let's just be real and let's be honest. Because <clears throat> we can all agree that not all of us are in the greatest, we didn't have the greatest time this last week, or we did. And we can just, let's just put away that facade that we are the best today than we've ever been. Because not all of us, uh, honestly, not all of us are. So let's just be honest with each other and be honest with the Lord. Uh, Raise your right hand. How many of you had a good week this last week? And for the most part, and that's fine, just be honest. It's okay. I had a good week this last week. For the most part, things went my way, and the Lord blessed. Excellent, excellent, all throughout the church. And that's when the lawyer would look over at the person typing all throughout the church. Then, uh, how many of you had a poor week this last week, and things could have gone better? You can raise your right hand on that. I see some throughout the church, some throughout the church. Type that down. Excellent. How many of you felt strong enough, raise your right hand, how many of you felt strong enough to handle things this last week? Okay. That you didn't need God's intervention. Raise your right hand. I felt strong enough this last week that I didn't need God's intervention. Raise your right hand. Okay. Finally, last question. How many of you felt in control over the things that happened last week? Raise your right hand. I felt in control over the things that happened last week. Right hand. Okay. All throughout the church. Okay. Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is preaching, by the way. Context, Matthew 6, verse 26. 
Matthew 6.26, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubic to your stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. <clears throat> excuse me. And all these things shall be, excuse me, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things I can't read, excuse me, of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Um, excuse me, would you pray for me that I just wouldn't, I don't try to be emotional when I preach. I don't do it on purpose. It's something that has touched me. It's something that means something to me. I don't like to preach on things that don't, because what are you preaching on? So just bear with me and, and pray for me while I preach. I wouldn't uh, <clears throat> cry over things. Okay. We read that length of scripture. Uh, I have two points this evening. Two points, praise the Lord, because, you know, that maybe that won't take very long. <laughs> so, out of two points, two points, number one, giving up control. Number one, giving up control. Um, I have, uh, when I thought of a memory of giving up control, um, I want you to picture, we're on Lake Herman. Uh, this is a lake where my Uncle Russell has a boat and jet ski, and this is where he lives. We're on Lake Herman, and I was um, not a teenager. Let's say I was 10, and my sister, she was about 13, 14, somewhere around there. And we were on the boat, and we were just taking a, a really chill boat ride. And my Uncle Russell doesn't drive very fast because he's just slow and steady, wins the race kind of a guy. And you know what? I don't have a problem with that just because, man, look at the, the beauty of what God has created Look at the beauty of this glass lake that we're on, and I don't care that it's just little old Lake Herman in, in Madison, South Dakota. It's just, it's nice. I like it. But then um, Uncle Russell said one of the worst things he could ever say. He said, Alicia, would you like to drive the boat? And I was like, I didn't know I was going to heaven today. And I, did, I was like, are you serious right now? She, and, and I'm like, uh, I'm 10 years old. She's 13 or 14. Uh, she doesn't have her driver's license. I'm like, Russell, what are you doing? And I actually, so Alicia comes over and sits on 
Russell's lap and drives the boat, has the steering wheel, and he says, you know, click the clicker on the right to go this fast and only click it so far and so on and so forth, and she was driving the boat. I was in the back of the boat crying because I knew that I was just going to die, and I wasn't ready to die yet, and it, it scared me. It freaked me out, and my mom had to hold me and like, uh, Ryan, like, it's okay. We're not going to die right now, and I thought for sure I was. I didn't like the person who was in control. Secondly, um, very similar to driving a boat, a few, years, a few years later, Alicia got a driver's license, and just about the same thing happened. I'm like, oh, I, I didn't know I would be wearing these clothes when I die today, because now Alicia gets a vehicle that can go much faster than a boat, and now we have other vehicles, and we're not on a lake, and oh, man. And I just, when I sat in the car with Alicia, and, and Alicia was driving my parents' car because she was learning how to drive, I did not like who was in control. Excuse me. Finally, one more illustration. Um, I was at Valley Fair a few years ago, and there was um, a little boy and his mom, and my favorite people, my favorite people to ride roller coasters is people who've never ridden roller coasters because I have screams of joy and they have screams of terror. And I find that hilarious. I love it. And I love watching them. It's almost more entertaining than the ride itself. And so there was a little boy and his mom. They went on a roller coaster. More specifically, it was the wild thing at Valley Fair, if you know what I'm talking about. The biggest roller coaster of all. And we are tink, 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 getting to the top. And it's getting higher and higher and higher than what he expected. And so he grabs onto the bar holding on with his dear life, and at the top of the roller coaster, he says, see you in heaven, mom. And that was, and that was it. This little boy had no control over what was about to happen. He had no control over the roller coaster, and he didn't like that he was not in control. And we don't like, we can all agree, I, I thought of three illustrations, three examples, we all agree that we don't like giving up control. Here in this portion, <clears throat> here in this portion of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about giving up control. If I can feed the birds, if I can make the grass to grow and feed the grass, if you will, and then we cut it, don't you think I can take care of you? Is what this portion is saying. And maybe that wasn't the first place in the majority of our minds that we go to, but the first thing I went to is I'm giving up control. I'm giving up control over, over, my, over things in my life. And I was giving up a part of me because God is telling me, don't worry about being fed. Don't worry about being clothed. Oh, ye of little faith, I can take care of that. And we like to be in control. And we like to make sure that all of our lives and all of our things are going well. And God kind of tells me in this verse and told me as I was studying for the sermon, I need to give up some things. I just need to give up control over what I have. If he can feed the birds and feed the grass and make it grow, don't you think I can take care of you? 
Matthew 6.34, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow can take care of itself, of the things of itself. Um, I like the way Jesus speaks. He is my kind of guy. He's very blunt. I just call this, he's very blunt. It's very just right to the point. Don't worry about tomorrow. It can worry about itself. That's, what, that's really what Jesus said. Don't worry about tomorrow. It can worry about itself. By rays of right hand, how many of us control, can control what's about to happen tomorrow? Okay? Nobody. Nobody. Can anybody... Does anybody know what's going to happen tomorrow by rays of your right hand? Do you know for a fact you know what's going to happen tomorrow? Okay? We can all agree that we don't, and we don't have control over the future, and we don't have control over what's going to happen. But we try to live the most comfortable lives as possible, and we believe this lie to ourselves that we are in control of things. That's, that's just a big lie that we, we feel comfortable. We're in control of things. We got this. And I am in control of my eternal destiny Am I, I am in control of, of my own life, and I don't need people telling me what to do, whether that's my parents or whether that's um, authorities above me or whether that's God himself. I'm in control. I've got this. And suddenly we can come to places, and God just flips the script. But we all know our lives can be absolutely turned upside down by one phone call. By, by one diagnosis, <laughs> by one accident, and by one mistake. And suddenly we realize just how far from control we really are. And we tell God, okay, this is more than I can handle. And this is more than I can do on my own. I thought about a personal time when this happened to me, it was October of 2008. My dad and I were at the men's retreat. And it, the men's retreat I love going to. It's a, spiritual, it's a spiritual high for us. And we go through revival at the men's retreat. And I was, just, I was loving it, just like every other year I've ever loved it. Dad comes to me and says, Ryan, pack your bags, we're leaving. And he doesn't, my dad doesn't joke about things like that. I knew he wasn't joking. Before I could ask him what was going on, he said that my grandma Tilly passed away. And suddenly my feeling of revival and feeling of joy and feeling of mountaintop and feeling that I am in control in a sentence from my dad went like this. I felt way out of control. One sentence my dad had to tell me, and I was, and personally, that was the darkest road I've ever gone down in my life, and I had um, a serious case of depression down the next few months, and I just didn't know that suddenly I go from being in control and just one, one sentence, I was out. I was out. I believe these verses, God, uh, God is telling us 
to give up control and put faith in him that he's got it covered. Once again, if I can feed the birds, something as simple as that, if I can make the grass to grow, how much the more are we valuable to God than birds and of grass? Birds don't have eternal living souls. Everyone in this room has a soul that will never die. And birds don't have that, neither does grass. And how much the more valuable we are than we are than those things, and God is telling us, if I can be in control of these things, let me take control of you. And let, <clears throat> let me help you. These, that's what these verses are saying. And you know what we hate doing? I'll say it again. We hate giving up control. We are the best dreamers and makers of our own destiny. And we are fed through our culture that we can be in control of our own destiny. Has by, okay, by raise of your right hand. Have you ever heard that? You are in control of your destiny. Raise of right hand all throughout the church. I've heard that before. I've heard that a number of times. And I've just learned you've got to face the fact that you just aren't. That you just aren't. But going against our natural nature that we want to take care of things, God tells us to give up this control. And I do believe that it is, um, I need to be careful, but with, with men, we like being in control. I think I can say that. Men, we like being in control. We like knowing this is going to happen, this is what we've got, this is the plan, and sometimes just when, when I feel out of control, when we feel out of control, it's just bad, it's just bad, and we don't like that. So what do we do in these situations? What do we do when we feel out of control? I want everyone to look at Matthew 6, 33. So what do we do in these situations? What we do, do we do when we feel out of control? Matthew six thirty three. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Number one, giving up control, or giving God, number one, giving up control. Number two, giving God control. We're on point number two already. Number two, giving God control. Seeking the kingdom of God gets our eyes off the temporal of what's around us. You know, um, I, when I thought of that, I thought of the story of Peter walking on the water. And let me, let me tell you the story of Peter walking on the water. So the disciples were out on the boat, and they were toiling and rowing in a storm. And they weren't really getting anywhere. And then Jesus comes out on the water, and he was walking. But first they thought he was a ghost. They thought he was a spirit or a ghost and they were afraid. And then Jesus says, be not afraid, it is I. And then Peter, a, a vocal disciple, testing God, if, testing Jesus, if this is really you or master, let me get out of the boat and let me walk with you. And Jesus says, come on out. 
which is the Ryan Austin version of the Bible. Jesus says, take your step, go ahead. And Jesus and Peter takes his steps, and as long as Peter's eyes are on Jesus, he is walking on the water. As long as his eyes are fixed on Christ, he was walking on water. But then the Bible says he took his eyes off of Christ. He started looking at the waves. He started looking at the wind. He started looking at the rain. He started looking at the temporal things around him. And he began to sink and he fell into the water. And he began to drown. Until Jesus reached down his hand, grabbed his hand and picked it back up and made him stand again on the water. And I believe that seek ye first the kingdom of God. That was a wonderful example that I thought of. Seeking the kingdom of God gets our eyes off of the waves around us and puts our eyes not only, not only on the captain of the ship, but the one who is controlling the waves. That was a big point to me when I was studying for this sermon. Uh, I just, I just, I want to read that again. Seeking the kingdom of God, (laughs) excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm doing my best, I promise, I'm sorry. Seeking the kingdom of God gets our eyes off of the waves around us and puts our eyes not only on the captain of the ship, Excuse me, but the one who is control, controlling the waves. And all these things shall be added unto you. <clears throat> when we set our sights on the Lord and the other things, when we, excuse me, when we set our sights on the Lord, the other things that we don't have control over will be added unto us. I think we agreed that we don't have control over what's about to happen tomorrow. And we don't have control over what's going to happen this coming week. And we didn't have control over what happened last week. Some of us, the majority of us, raised our hands and said that we had good weeks last week. And I, God bless you, I appreciate that. And God bless those who honestly could tell me that their, their week wasn't very good last week. And I want to encourage us, seek, um, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. It was a wonderful reminder for me when I was, when I was told and when I was, was commissioned to preach this sermon. Seeking first the kingdom of God and the waves and the crash and the weak are, uh, are minimalized. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. And they become temporal. They don't matter anymore. Giving up control is giving up the thought of being in control because we were never in control in the first place. It's giving up the thought of being in control. I told you my grandma Tilly passed away in October of 2008, but in February of 2008, I was sitting 
in the back of the church next to her, and um, it was our missions conference. Brother Jody Ellis <clears throat> was preaching our missions conference, and I was seriously in the second to last pew in the back of the church. And I felt like no other time that the Holy Spirit was convicting me and knocking on my heart, and I had to respond. And I asked God, with all due respect, what, what do you want? And God said, I want you. And I said, that's cool. What do you want with me? And God said, I want you. And I said, I understand that. What, what do you want with me? And God said, I want to use you. And I said, oh, okay. I get up. During the invitation, I get up and I grab my dad and we go to a, a Sunday school room in the back. And I talked to him and I said, Dad, this just happened. And Dad is excited. That's great. I, that's great. And I said, hold on, Dad. I'm not, I'm not ready for that. I'm not sure. I don't know if I'm ready to give up control. Could be another word that I was saying. And Dad had to remind me of some things. What I told him, you know, I'll just be, I'll be totally honest. What I told him is, Dad, I'm afraid God will send me somewhere that I don't want to go. I'm afraid that he will send me across the world, across the country. I love Sioux Falls. I'm, I'm, I don't want to leave my mom and my family. I love Sioux Falls, and I don't, I'm, I'm afraid of going somewhere, and God's going to lead me somewhere and then leave me alone and forget about me. Totally honest, that's what I said. I said, God, I, I said, Dad, I just don't, I don't want to go there. And I'm afraid that God will take me somewhere and then leave me. And Dad had to remind me of a few things. Here's what he said. Hebrews 13, 5. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Psalm 46, 10. Be still and know that I am God. Isaiah 26, 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Finally, Hebrew, I'm, finally Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And that night, when Dad gave me those reminders of those verses, I believed him, and more importantly, I believed God and his promises. And I believed that he could take care of me. And so I prayed that night, God, okay, you can, have, you can have my life. You can take control. I'll just believe that you'll take care of it. And, and let me tell you, he has. Because I know I'm not the only one in this room that God might be asking that to someone else. And God might be tugging on somebody else's heart with, that, with those things. I know I'm not the only one. And I'll just be the first to tell you he's taken care of me. He's got me under his wing and under, under control because he's the one in control. And that night, I just had to give up control over my life. And I just had to say, you know what? If you want to send me to the jungle, I believe that you will take care of me and I'll go. And if you want to send me to the Philippines, if you want to send me to Sioux City, Iowa, 
I'll, yeah, it was kind of a joke, kind of. <laughs> if you want to send me to Nineveh and or Sioux City, Iowa, there it was, there it was. It's crazy how I can cry and laugh at the same time. If you want to send me there, I'll just have to, I'll say yes, Lord, and you've got it. And that was the best decision I've ever made in my life is when I simply gave up control of what I had. And in the beginning of my sermon, we don't like giving up control. We know what's best for us. And we know we can control our destiny. And I just believe that that's kind of a load of baloney. We don't, you don't know what's going to happen in the next hour and you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But God does, and we can put it into his control and trust and believe that he will take care of us. I gave my life to Christ that night, and giving up control is the best thing I've ever done in my life. So let me ask you some things. What will happen when you die? Do you know what will happen when you die? I just I want to pause to give you a minute, just give you some time to think. Do you know what will happen when you die? Do you have any control over that? Do you know what will happen when you die? Do you have any control over that? And what can you do and what will you do to fix that? Because it's a, death is a scary thought to some. It's something that we're not in control over. Whether we know Jesus Christ as our Savior or not, death can be scary because we're just not in control over that. We don't know when we're going to die. And what can you do to fix that? Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and he paid the trespasses and paid the debt that we owe because we have done our wrong. And I'll tell you that when we can put control into his hands, into, into him, all the other things he'll take care of. And when we seek first the kingdom of God and we let go, he'll take care of it. I want you to consider what will happen when you die. I want you to consider, do you have any control over that? There are men and women throughout this church that can talk to you about that. This is our pastor here in the front, Pastor Spencer. Anybody can come and talk to him right now. Come and talk to him and ask him to answer these questions. What's going to happen when I die, Pastor? And go ahead and pick his brain on that. This is Brother Ruckman sitting uh, one, two, three, four aisles back. Next to him and his, is his wife, Angie. And they can talk to you about the answer to this question. And there are people throughout this church that I know know the answer. Brother Doug is sitting in the, in the sound booth. And he's an ordained pastor himself. He preaches in the prisons of South Dakota. And I know that he can tell you how you can be in control when you die. So finally, Eastside Baptist Church, seek ye first the kingdom of God 
and the waves and the things that are bothering you will, <laughs> will be taken care of. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.